This is Atolio Conversations. I'm Luke Alley. Today, we'll be talking with Paolo Negri, co-founder and CTO at Contentful, an API-first content platform. The company started in Berlin, and now they are distributed across Europe and the US. Paolo walks us through his early career at startups across Europe, how he built a company solving a problem he faced at those very startups, and why now at Contentful, he encourages a culture based on experimentation and much more. So with that, please enjoy my conversation with Paolo. Paolo, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it, man. Glad to be here and uh, thank you, Luke, for having me here. So maybe we can we can just kind of start broad. Can you just tell me a little bit about your 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 story and how you tell your your story of yourself and growing up? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, uh, it's it's interesting to walk through these. Um, so regarding myself, uh, I was obviously born in Italy, and they are around uh, Milan, and um, that's where I grew up. I went to university. And uh, probably I started being passionate about computers uh, around when I was 15, 16. Uh, I had uh, at some point an Amiga computer and got into uh, 3D graphics. But was really when I was at university, I got exposed to Linux and uh, the idea of uh, open source software. And I would really say there, that's where I really got passionate about building technology and uh, really being intrigued by this uh, uh, world that was of uh, free access that uh, now seems something uh, obvious that you can access information uh, for free or get software without paying. Uh, but back then was really something that was uh, looking very uh, exceptional and special. And uh, um, also getting to know the community, like uh, I remember uh, I sent uh, very early on some very naive letters, uh, as an example, to Rusty Russell about uh, networking, you know, and somehow got to know uh, a bit how the Linux community was uh, working. And um, yeah, that really made me uh, think that uh, after getting my um, uh, engineering degree, which was in the branch of mechanical engineering, I would rather look for working uh, in the area of uh, uh, technology. So I picked my job specifically for something where uh, Linux networking and uh, open source uh, uh, will be involved. And that's really where uh, where I started. And uh, uh, at the beginning, it was mostly system administration, networking, uh, um, this sort of uh, uh, angle. But us doing system administration led me to discover more about scripting and automation. I, I got more and more intrigued by that sort of aspects rather than network services uh, um, and so on. And uh, uh, from there, I discovered, uh, you know, uh, first I think it was Python. Uh, um, well, maybe first Perl, then Python. Then, then uh, at some point, um, I got exposed to uh, Ruby and from there, Ruby on Rails, uh, which somehow led me to discover all these Web 2.0 movement that was uh, uh, nascent uh, uh, back then. And uh, that, I think, was the first connection uh, of the fact that technology was so related to, obviously, uh, also building companies. Because the Web 2.0 was, was really about you know, this flourishing of uh, uh, new companies that were very 
connected to um, um, to the technology. So uh, I, that, that's the point where I determined that I wanted to work with Ruby on Rails and uh, somehow become part of this web 2.0 um, movement. And uh, pretty soon I realized actually in Italy there wasn't a lot going on. <laughs> related to the technology and this is one of the reasons that really uh, got me to look outside of the country which opportunities uh, could be there and um, eventually I found uh, um, yeah, a rather small uh, software house that was running a software as a service uh, uh, business for the accommodation uh, business and uh, they wanted someone uh, to convert their systems from PHP to uh, Ruby on Rails. And I think it, it is in, um, this experience was interesting because it really, because the company was so small, it really exposed me to anything that is about, okay, well, what is it like to run uh, a software as a service company? Uh, you know, I was working, working uh, because the company was so small, working closely with uh, uh, sales. Uh, and that, 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 that I think was, uh, a small but important experience, I think, in forming the mindset of uh, um, yeah, how uh, does an initiative that revolves around uh, you know software and systems could uh, completely work end to end to end. From there, uh, I started approaching uh, more and more companies that were like startup and collected uh, uh, a few experiences. And um, then finally, I um, uh, got to London to join uh, um, a company that back then was called uh, Traffic Broker. Today is called Forward Technology. And I think that that was the first time that I've been in a fast growing uh, uh, from uh, um, uh, yeah, from small to you know medium numbers uh, company. The company was uh, very successful in the uh, area of digital advertising. Uh, one of the pioneers of uh, search engine marketing optimization uh, in the relatively early days of uh, uh, Google AdWords. So, yeah, a very you know cutting edge technology, uh, advanced experience, and uh, uh, I got some indirect exposure to the well, uh, the, the direct to a degree uh, exposure to uh, to the founder of the company. Um, and uh, uh, again, I found interesting to see. Uh, because it was, um, you know, uh, probably slightly younger than me, so it was someone I could really relate to as a person. And uh, I started thinking, well, okay, if um, uh, he's doing something like that, that, that's also something that I could uh, uh, could do. And um, yeah, so that that was the first instance. And um, then uh, I somehow uh, I was in love with the job in London, but not so much with London, the city. Uh, so I moved out uh, back to continental Europe, uh, initially to Munich. And uh, then from Munich, I decided to move um, again to Berlin to really join uh, again a startup hub because I felt that, that that was the kind of technologies companies I wanted to be close. And uh, that's how I uh, ended up landing at uh, VUGA, which back then was a very uh, early stage uh, social gaming uh, player. I think they just raised the day uh, A round. And um, yeah, social gaming itself obviously being rather, uh, you know, a new, uh, uh, a new thing uh, on the market. And um, yeah, I joined probably as the, um, third or fourth full-time backend engineer uh, uh, in the company, uh, which again gave me a lot of exposure to the um, uh, CTO and CEO founders of the company. And you could really see at a larger scale because of course wasn't uh, probably at the point was 40 people or something like that. Uh, but you could really see uh, how the company worked, how the founders were working on the company, also being a VC funded 
business, you could get indirectly uh, obviously exposure to the rhythm, uh, to the rhythms of uh, um, venture capital and so on. And uh, overall, it was a very exciting experience. Uh, the company became one of the success stories of the Berlin uh, ecosystem. Uh, I had many interesting exchanges of ideas, again, with the Philip, uh, the uh, CTO and the other uh, early uh, engineers at the company. And I think yeah, that was really a formative uh, experience that really made me, you know, even more uh, uh, keen on the idea of trying again something uh, um, early stage. And was uh, when I felt my experience at VUGA was mature, I again no, explicitly started going to um, uh, startup meetups uh, or founder meetups uh, to uh, again, try to see which opportunities uh, uh, were there in the city. And I ended up meeting actually my co-founder, uh, Sasha, with whom I co-founded Contentful. Uh, uh, so in a way, actually getting uh, to this idea uh, of which I have been thinking for uh, um, yeah, probably 10 years by then. I have a bunch of questions for you, by the way. But I think that that last point that you made is really interesting around that idea of like, it had been an idea kicking around for a while and it was, you were trying to kind of solve a problem that you had yourself experienced, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was very interesting because when I met um, uh, Sasha, my co-founder, he was um, uh, already, um, he already had a sort of a minimum viable product uh, um, that he was running. And uh, the idea back then was, uh, um, how to manage content for mobile applications. And uh, uh, when he talked to me about the idea, one thing that I did realize was uh, that it was a very uh, applicable concept to make content uh, available in a form that could be you know, structurally integrated in um, uh, dynamic applications. And it went well beyond, as a principle, um, the idea of just mobile applications. Because uh, as I worked before in social games, as I said, in social games, there was a very strong need of managing a lot of content that is in the game, but is not page-like content. It's not something that traditional content management systems actually would um, serve well. And uh, similarly, before in the classified business and advertisement business where I also worked before, I knew that there was a lot of need for uh, managing content that, again, needed to be embedded in a structure. So again, it can be included you know, in a structure like a classified um, advertising or in a um, general uh, online advertising. So um, that really made me think, yes, it is a, something that is very needed. It is something intriguing to me because obviously as a technologist, you know, it's a problem where not only I can think about how to make the product work, but I can also think about the product in terms of audience, in terms of the customers, because ultimately uh, works and consumer uh, APIs are teams like the technology team I used to work uh, within. So um, yeah, the idea really resonated with me. I really felt uh, as an experience, as I had experience mostly in uh, backend systems and so on, I had a lot that I could add um, uh, to the idea and understanding how the technology works. Uh, I mean, at the end, uh, as an example, game servers are very much, you know, a- API servers. Um, so I really saw that it was a good match. And ultimately, I think this was um, one of the reasons that made me decide to make the crazy step to be one of the founders, because uh, I really thought it's something where I can play um, on uh, both sides of building it 
and also understanding how to make it a successful idea uh, on uh, on the market, understanding the, the personas to whom uh, we need to explain how this work and why uh, is appealing, which was, um, yeah, which was a great experience. And I really remember in the early days, we really needed to explain why the idea of um, having an API first approach with content was a valid idea because for sure it was a new uh, idea to the market. And I think, uh, um, yeah, um, my background and uh, thinking on approaching uh, the adventure for sure uh, helped in making these uh, uh, yeah, ultimately something that turned out to be successful. Were there any other observations that you made about like what, like about the nature of a startup or what makes them successful or, or effective um, that you feel like you you learned or you observed or that you you carried on from those previous experiences that you carried into Contentful? Yeah, I think that there were probably, uh, you know, a few uh, aspects. One was really this um, aspect of uh, um, experimentation. Like it's okay uh, having an attitude where it's okay to not know something uh, uh, perfectly. Like I think one thing that I, um, you know, really learned is uh, uh, people who are involved uh, in uh, in startups and uh, uh, leading them uh, really take some uh, um, leap. I mean, maybe I would call it a leap of faith, but somehow you need to be ready to face something that is uncertain and for which you have an intuition or you think you have some uh, hints and, uh, you know, go and verify um, that actually you uh, you are on the right uh, uh, path. And uh, uh, I've seen quite um, quite a bit of this. As an example, Traffic Broker that I talked about uh, based in London had a very experimental approach on finding uh, next lines of business. Okay. And uh, I felt that that was... Uh, really showing something new where in more traditional jobs, you don't see it is uh, uh, happening very much. Usually it's more about, you know, running the business and confirming what already happened, uh, staying in a comfort zone uh, rather than yeah, being in a place where it's like, you know, by default, let's try to go out of our comfort zone and find um, uh, how can we build down our strength by an area where we know uh, less. And uh, um, the same in uh, VUGA, uh, gaming is a brutal business because, of course, you know, you might know well how to build games, but it's very hard to predict uh, which game is going to be successful with uh, players because there is no sure shot recipe. So somehow you need to have a methodology that allows you to progressively explore the space and understand what needs to be uh, successful. So I think it is an uh, idea of, uh, well, at the end, is a process uh, of um, um, yeah, taking some measured and reasoned uh, uh, bets and learning from them, uh, I think was uh, um, was something which I got exposed to. And I don't think I was so deliberate and clear on the value of, of seeing the value of that, but I think uh, more in an implicit way helped me in uh, understanding and also coping with the initial uncertainty that obviously you, know, you get when you go in a day zero uh, sort, of, uh, uh, sort of startup. In terms of the speaking of, of sort of learnings from working at startups, uh, are there any aspects of sort of the early contentful days of like the early days of, of the company that you have sort of tried to maintain or, or hold on to as the company grows and, and as its its culture and and uh, inevitably changes over time? 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think something that um, you know I uh, appreciate of the early days is the um, directness, uh, the flow of ideas. You know, again, a small startup, everyone talks with uh, everyone. You know, we try to um, preserve uh, in the group is really this uh, um, directness and uh, letting idea um, ideas circulate. Um, no, and uh, again, it is it can become something at the top. As you grow, becomes you know harder and uh, uh, tougher. Uh, um, people might assume that uh, uh, some people are accessible and some people uh, are not. And uh, uh, as an example, when we were thinking about how to structure our office, of course, in the days where offices were still um, accessible, uh, a principle we used was really well to not have private rooms where you know there were single people, but always to assume no, we always work in teams, and uh, you are rather in a room with your team, and um, we know that you can always go and talk with uh, one of the teams, you know, no, no matter at which level of the hierarchy, if you have something. Um, that you would like to um, uh, to discuss, and I think, uh, yeah, these um, you know directness and uh, understanding that uh, um, you know roles are here again all to, there to support each other. So again, we we do support each other, and uh, uh, we, we enjoy speaking uh, to each other. Uh, it's really something that yeah we uh, curated that can continue. Uh, and not being um, yeah, um, too limited by um, yeah, the growing factor or the, or the scaling up. You know, you mentioned earlier that in terms of that team dynamic, you know, the uh, cultural aspect of, of making sure that uh, people were approachable and that the flow of information was felt like it was like socially acceptable to be able to kind of talk to everybody. Um but you and you mentioned that functionally, however, like the flow of information wasn't as much of an issue. And I was I was curious, like how as the company was growing, were you able to kind of functionally make sure that you know people had access to knowledge and information was flowing, and that um, you know, where can you just tell me about trying to 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 manage that aspect of the company as it grew? Sure. Yeah. I mean, as we grew, we for sure learned that, as an example, you know, some of the early mechanisms do break uh, down. Like, you know, you, you need uh, to obviously um, have more uh, documentation. At the beginning, you, you can obviously, you know, rely on just shared knowledge just by fact that people have been exposed um, uh, directly. And uh, yeah, as you get in the tens of people, uh, that, that model breaks down and some, you need um to have way to um document and making clear how communication happened and i think uh, uh, as an example one realization uh, again as the company continued growing was, was really guidance on how to communicate and, and somehow in any uh role uh, and so on it becomes important okay wh- when would you use uh, slack wh- when would you uh, send an email uh, how do we differentiate what you find uh, uh, in the wiki versus in uh, um, Google Docs, which, which things we would expect uh, are communicated and answered in real time, which things we would expect uh, are communicated rather uh, asynchronously. And uh, uh, and this is uh, yeah, a convention that evolved uh, uh, probably several times over time. And uh, um, you always feel... Uh, uh, you are challenged from these aspects, especially as a growing company. 
uh, you have patterns that you know continuously are tested from the point of view of uh, um, their validity in uh, and having a shared understanding of where information comes from, um, how ideas are uh, um, documented. Uh, where I can find a certain type of uh, uh, work and so on. And uh, um, yeah, it, it is uh, it is really a continuous uh, process. And, uh, you know, at each stage of growth, probably you, you need to relook to a degree um, to, these, um, uh, to these patterns uh, as they um, yeah, really do get challenged uh, at every uh, every new iteration of growth. What, uh, what um, kind of technologies or or uh innovations are you most excited about today what's uh what's been on your mind the most yeah i think um uh, maybe uh one thing that really uh, i find compelling uh, at the moment is um you know the idea of uh, graph related technologies and graphql is an example of these technologies that i like uh, um, to make, uh, uh, even GraphQL has been around already a few years. I think that there is still uh, um, a lot that can happen in this uh, area of technology and how we think about uh, uh, information as a, uh, and data uh, and events as a graph uh, kind of uh, approach. I, uh, I find that as we get more connected and maybe um, yeah, COVID made a big push uh, on uh, uh, making available digitally a, a lot of uh, you know resources processes that didn't use to be um, digitized and uh, what I what I expect is that uh, th- there will be a big push of uh, integrating uh, um, yeah these uh, newly available uh, um, uh, digital resources in uh, the, the broader uh, internet services and uh, we will see much more connection uh, and uh, the idea of graph will be an emerging pattern on how all these relate and uh, how things that currently are a bit of uh, islands will be more connected to each other and working uh, um, together. So uh, I think these uh, area of uh, graph technology, serverless and so on will be a big point of uh, um, evolution for um, technology and the, the whole area um, makes me quite um, um, yeah, quite excited about what is uh, uh, what is coming. Even if maybe technologically doesn't feel super, uh, um, you know, at the cutting edge uh, like uh, atomic computation or something like that. But I think that that's gonna give us uh, uh, it's gonna have a big impact on uh, how we think about what we do in the private or professional life. Um, so yeah, l- looking forward to to that, uh, and of course, to see content for playing a part in that uh, in the landscape. On the in terms of like uh, you know, we talked a little bit about just sort of the the um, evolution of contentful in terms of you know the uh, early startup days and just the the flow of management and the the way that the the culture has changed. What do you? What are some of the milestones that you're kind of looking forward ahead to now in terms of the company from the from the perspective of of like your role from the either the technical side of the engineering team? Like, what are what are some of those other kind of uh, predictions and 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 things that you're looking forward to? Maybe future challenges uh, that you see on the horizon. Sure. 
Yeah, uh, I think uh, you know, looking at the future, what I'm uh, looking is uh, you know, contentfully is um, building uh, and uh, continuing expanding the idea of what a content platform uh, is, and um, that, that's where I see you know our main center of action and uh, influence of uh, the market. So as engineering team, uh, as an example, we launched our application framework and uh, this was already in 2020. And the idea was really to make something uh, available that would allow uh, our customers, our partners to build on Contentful, but at the same time also Contentful to build on Contentful uh, uh, itself. And uh, in the future, we uh, we want to do um, continue pushing this concept to levels that are uh, uh, deeper. Uh, so again, making Contentful uh, really an environment where um, you can uh, you know, connect information, uh, have uh, specific endpoints for digital experiences and continue developing uh, solutions that are connected uh, and can have a high degree of freedom while being connected and related to um, information uh, elsewhere. And uh, yes, engineering team, uh, understanding uh, how to continue structuring us for scale. And that's also where the idea of the application framework and having a standard way of building a contentful is key, you know, to, to making sure that we can continue building a lot sustainably on the on the platform uh, is, um, uh, is the key. And uh, keeping going into symmetry of uh, what we enable for contentful uh, internally, we also want to enable um, externally. Uh, it's also, I think, a, a principle that we will keep on working on uh, and will shape uh, um, the future of uh, engineering at Contentful. Nice. Awesome. The second to last question I just had for you was, uh, you, I know you mentioned that like you were some of the early days that you were interested in 3D graphics. Um, what were what was interesting to you when, when it came to the, the graphics and everything? Yeah, I mean, it, it was really like uh, magic. Like I, I remember being extremely uh, fascinated by um, the fact that you know you could really have a physics simulation of uh, you know the light, and uh, as an example, the fact that you can define a material, you know, and understanding well, okay, how do you define a material that looks like I don't know marble or chrome or uh, whatever uh, you're after, and uh, it's also very. While it's very related to physics and mathematics, it's also very related to somehow you know a creative uh, uh, discipline and effectively you know three D art by now, uh, you know all the you know cartoons that uh, uh, are created by now are in three D uh, realized with three D technologies. Was uh, yeah, but back back then it really felt like something uh, you know magic landed uh, in uh, um, in my home. And uh, also as an aspect of simulation of reality, which is also very strong in uh, 3D, you are really trying to recreate what you see every day. And you can also cross the boundaries because of course you can push things you know, to a, a, a level or a form, um, which uh, isn't there. So yeah, it was really a feeling of uh, being able to um, yeah, create uh, you know, a landscape or create an object that you had in mind that you wanted to uh, it, it felt extremely powerful and it turned out to be actually an extremely um, uh, powerful uh, uh, powerful thing. And I remember, you know, I was reading uh, some newsletter and uh, early magazine on the topic 
And uh, I always remember there was uh, one of the people uh, writing there was Guido Caroni, which eventually ended up being one of the main um, art directors at uh, Pixar. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it was really a early insight uh, on uh, something that eventually would become um, uh, very, um, uh, very big. And it was also a way to be connected, obviously, to the you know gaming, uh, like, like you know, the early days of 3D. So you know, the 3D uh, will just connect to you to things like you know, Doom, uh, Quake, like the, the, the early uh, 3D um video games but yeah i remember it as a extremely fascinating thing and even if now i'm not into it i still follow uh, a lot of what is happening in the 3d scene as i continue on finding fascinating uh, the development uh, that are like you know the real-time rendering capabilities uh, of systems like unity uh, or the unreal framework are still things that i like to read about even if i don't really touch them uh, uh, I, I found it really extremely powerful uh, instrument that uh, the man has created. Yeah, absolutely. That must have been. Yeah, I think that's a very, a very interesting field or kind of subject or topic to to have such early insights, like to like have seen it grow so much over time because it it so visibly and tangibly changes over time. So to to, to kind of have watched that, I think, must be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. In the, in the early days, you know, you, you went, you waited hours, uh, no, especially on the entry level PC, which was what I was uh, what I had available. It would take hours to render one frame at super low definition. You know, like and, and what we're doing right now is really technology from another world. If you if you compare it, uh, you know, you were super proud of your shaded sphere, sphere rendering uh, in uh, half an hour while you were doing something <laughs> else. And, and now it's like, you know, people are unhappy if it goes to 60 frames per second uh, and uh, you see some scatter between one frame and the other. It's, um, yeah, uh, a very, uh, it, I think it really renders the sort of progress that, that, that went by in, uh, uh, you know, 20 or 40 years. That, that, that. Yeah. Very visceral way. So last question I have for you, and I know this is kind of a curveball question, but what's the best question I haven't asked you today? Maybe, uh, I don't know what's the question, but uh, maybe it could be, you know, what, what, what's a good, uh, meta learning I did, uh, uh, along the the journey uh, of Contentful, but also the career and so on. Uh, and I think uh, one thing that I learned is uh, really to try to ask myself, uh, what did I learn from uh, what happened or what I'm seeing uh, and so on. I, I think uh, having an attitude where uh, you take more of all what happening as a learning rather than a verification of uh, was I right or... Uh, wrong really allows you to find uh, your path through experiences wh whether it is uh, you know professionally or personally but i think uh, again as i had you know like a path that led me around the countries different kind of companies i had to think about uh, change a lot and i found myself in very different situations where i thought you know what is my next step how do i think about uh, how to move on from here, I think also would have helped me earlier, uh, you know, thinking less in terms of uh, um, is this um, uh, right or wrong? Did they do the right or uh, wrong thing? You know, much more thinking, okay, what I'm learning and if I'm learning this, how do I reason about it going forward? And uh, 
um, yeah. Uh, again, I don't know if it's very relevant, but that, that's uh, one thing that came to mind as uh, as you asked. That's a huge life lesson. I feel like I feel like everybody would definitely benefit from being able to to frame things in a way of of learning experiences and and what you can take away from things. I think that's great. Um, I hope that's something you're able to kind of communicate and translate to other people as well as you as you uh, as you watch other people kind of coming up beneath you. Paolo, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Luke, for having me. It was a great conversation and great to spend some time thinking about the past, some past things that uh, uh, did really spark my uh, smile up. Thank you. Thanks to Paolo for the conversation. Thanks to Tom Tierney for the intro music. And thanks to you for listening. <laughs>